When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. Earlier this year, I had a whimsical encounter with an autumn elf in the forest near my house. I told you all about it in the episode Monkey Business on September 2nd, and ever since, I've been wishing to encounter another one, but so far, I was never so lucky. Now, one morning last week, I went out to get the mail. The picket fence around the garden was wearing thick hats of snow and the trees on the mountain looked as if glazed with royal icing. I tread carefully down the steps from the door of the house and yet I slipped and almost fell. Crikey! I exclaimed, just catching myself. I'm sorry, I heard a feeble voice. What? I asked. I couldn't see anyone. I'm sorry. I heard the voice again, looked around some more and there, peering from behind the snowy branches of a bush by the wall of the house, I saw a tiny creature. It was the size of a squirrel, features pale as porcelain and with just a blush of red on the cheeks. It was wearing a light blue coat with matching trousers trimmed with fur and soft, fur-lined boots. Perched on its head was a mighty fur-trimmed pointy hat. The shock from my almost fall dissipated immediately, for what I believed I saw was one of the elusive season elves. Are you a winter elf? I asked. It nodded and beckoned me to come closer, as if scared to emerge from behind the bush. Cats, it whispered, casting a suspicious glance to the left, right and back. I approached the elf and crouched down. The first teller for this episode is Dawn Nelson, also known as Dee Dee Storyteller. She is a UK-based storyteller who believes that one way to reconnect to the earth is through story. This is why she offers the wonderful Patreon project Rewild Yourself Through Story. One reward is a monthly illuminated tale, an audio recorded story with an associated coloring sheet for a mindful moment with the story. You can find out more on her Patreon page, patreon.com slash storyteller. And there is indeed a coloring sheet for the story that she's sharing on today's podcast, The Cat of the Doverfell.
story I'm about to tell you happened a very long time ago. Far off in Norway. It was a time when we used to see more trolls. They weren't so afraid of humans and, well, we didn't have so many houses and areas that were built up and away from the forests. Now the trolls, they prefer mountains, places to hide. We don't give them much of that these days. So you won't see so many trolls. However, this is a story about the trolls of the Dovrefell and a cat that got the better of them. A long time ago, there was a man who wished to impress the king by finding him the most unusual beast he could. The king was fond of collecting animals and so the man had travelled far north and he had caught himself a polar bear. In the hunt, the bear had become injured. But in the long journey back, the man had nursed the bear back to health. And as a consequence, the bear and the man had formed a friendship of sorts. As I say, he travelled many miles south. He travelled across Greenland, across Iceland and across the sea in boats. Many had feared the polar bear, but the man had assured them that it would not harm them. And so it was that the man found himself in Norway, in particular on the Dovrefjell. It was a time when there was little light. The nights were long. The man needed to rest, and so did the bear. It had got dark and cold. The Dovrefell is full of snow-capped mountains. It can be a barren place at times. And the man knew he needed shelter. It was Christmas Eve, and so he felt sure he would find a house that would extend him hospitality. And in fact, he did eventually find one house tucked amongst the mountains. There was light in the windows from the fire and so he went and knocked on the door. The man who lived in the cottage introduced himself as Halvor and the man with the bear asked if he may have some shelter and perhaps a little food for the night. Well Halvor, he didn't answer at first. Instead concern and perhaps even what might be considered fright came across his face. Perhaps he'd just noticed the bear, thought the hunter. And so he said to Halvor, there's no need to be scared. The, the bear is harmless. We have, uh, we have a friendship of sorts. There's really no need to worry. He will be very quiet and he'll sleep beside the fire. Oh no, says Halvor, you mistake my fear for fear for myself. It is not, it is fear for you. For on the Dovrefell, on Christmas Eve night, there comes down the hill a band of trolls intent on causing mischief wherever they go. The only way we can appease them is to lay a table in our house with the finest food, leave the fire stoked for them and then go. Go somewhere safe where the trolls cannot cause us any harm. 
I fear for you and your bear, for these trolls, well, they are trouble. Trouble like nothing you've ever known. And I'd be surprised if you survived the night. The hunter, he pushed aside Halvor's concerns and he said, no, no. The bear will not tolerate any nonsense. For, like I say, we are friends. You will not let any harm come to me. Well, very well, if you're sure, said Halvor, you best come in. We can spare you a small amount of food, but you must not touch the food on the table. That is for the trolls. And that is the only thing, like I say, that will appease them. Very well, said the hunter. Halvor and his family packed up the few things that they needed for that night, along with some food supplies and the family cat. They were not going to hang around and take their chances with those trolls, no. They'd had many years' experience with them and they knew the only thing to do was to leave. When the hunter went into the house, he saw that the table was laid with food, as he had been told it would be. He looked at the feast on the table, fit for a king. Mounds of whipped cream, fruits he'd never seen before, cured meat, smoked meat, broiled meat, boiled meat, sausages and puddings, breads and cakes, fish and even lobster. But he did as Halvor had told him, and he sat beside the fire with a small bowl of porridge. The bear, he settled under the table, not too close to the fire so he wouldn't get so hot, but he was happy. The bear was asleep before the hunter. The hunter retired to a cot bed at the other end of the room and drew the curtains around it. At exactly midnight, there came a rattling at the windows and a creaking of the floorboards and the door opened. A swirl of wind came in with it and an unholy melee of trolls. Every size and shape you can imagine, some with tails, some without, some with claws, some with yellow eyes, others red, some with beards, some with hairy ears. You have never seen such a collection of riffraff in your life. The hunter watched through a gap in the curtains that surrounded the cot bed. The trolls fell upon the food as if they had not eaten all year. Cream flew through the air, some of it hitting the curtains around the cot bed and uh, butter splattered and hit the floor and the faces of the trolls and loaves of bread were ripped in half and whole lobsters placed between them and topped off with gravy that ran down the sides of the bread and matted in the trolls' hair and beards. The noise was unearthly. And there was no way that the hunter could sleep through it, and instead he watched as the scene unfolded. Thankfully, none of the trolls had noticed his presence, and they were so busy with the food that they hadn't smelt him either. Instead, one of the smaller trolls had noticed the polar bear sleeping peacefully beneath the table. This tiny troll only came up to the knees of his colleagues, the reason this troll had noticed the polar bear is because he was about eye level with the polar bear's soft, wet nose. He leant forward, peering at the bear, and he reached out a bony finger, disproportionately long for the hand. And whilst the other trolls were packing food into their mouths, scoffing and slavering and chomping their way through the meal, with one long, sharp nail, the tiny troll poked the bear on the nose. Nothing happened. Noise still filled the room, food still flew, and the bear still slept. And so the troll tried again. The bear snuffled, twitched its nose, and pushed a paw beneath its jaw. 
So now the tiny troll rose up onto his toes and reached up to the table and pulled down an enormous blood pudding sausage. Raising it in both hands above his head, he brought it down, wallop, on the bear's nose. Well, the bear slowly opened one eye. He saw the small, wizened troll waving the blood sausage and he heard it say, Does Kitty want a sausage? His fellow trolls now became aware of what was occurring below the table and they stood back and shrieked with laughter as the little troll waved the blood sausage and proceeded to hit the polar bear on the nose once more. But the shrieking and the laughter were soon cut through by a noise far louder as the bear stood up beneath the table, knocking the food this way and that, roaring and lunging at the tiny troll with the enormous blood sausage. Its huge paws bowled over the trolls as they scrabbled to leave the house, taking what food they could with them, as well as that that was already in their beards. Their screams and chatters could be heard all the way up the mountains of the Dovrefell, well into the dawn. And the hunter, who had watched the whole thing from the cot bed, chuckled heartily to himself. Once the trolls had gone, the hunter and the polar bear slept again. And after a good night's rest, they left the cottage and continued on their journey. Halver and his family returned about midday on Christmas Day and they found the house in the mess they expected but there was certainly more food left uneaten than they expected but they thought perhaps maybe the trolls weren't as hungry this year and they got to scrubbing the cream off the walls and washing the curtains down by the river making sure that the butter didn't slip anybody up on the hearth tiles and pulling down meat from the rafters. Once it was all cleaned up, they were able to enjoy Christmas Day themselves. They talked about how they had heard the trolls in the other village, how noisy they had been and how right they were to have left the house and left the trolls to it. Another year passed, spring, summer, autumn, and then once again it was winter, and Halva was again preparing the house for the impending visit from the trolls. He was outside cutting wood from the fire when a small troll crept out from behind a tree and called to him. Halva, have you still got your big cat? My cat? Yes, said Halva, because Halva did indeed have a cat. The white one? Yes, replied Halva, because Halva did indeed have a cat that was white. In fact, said Halva, she's just had kittens and all seven of them are as big as she is and as fierce. He stood there proudly smiling. At this, the troll howled and started to run. You will never see us again, Halva. We're sorry ever to have bothered you. Please give our regards to your cat. And from then on, the Dovrefell was very quiet on Christmas Eve. Halva's family were left in peace for many more happy years and the kittens grew and well, they were good mousers. I hear Halva's ancestors still live on in the Dovrefell. But as I say, no one's seen a troll in decades. I hope you enjoyed this story. My name's Dawn Nelson and I'm an author and professional storyteller. And a big thank you to the Story Story podcast for having me on to tell this story. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as DD Storyteller. And if you wish to support my work and find more stories woven with folklore and the old ways, you can find me on Patreon 
at www.patreon.com backslash ddstoryteller. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you again soon. Toodle pip! The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Mythical Creatures Refuge at the North Pole. Mythical Creatures Refuge at the North Pole is a sanctuary for magical creatures of the world to gather and live in peace. As the world changes and the magical creatures' natural habitats are threatened by city sprawl, social media influencers and, above all, non-believers, Mythical Creatures Refuge at the North Pole provides a place for all to come and live in peace. From Kelpies to Kentars, Muses to Mermaids and Orcs to Ogres, all have their own special place to live and thrive. This refuge is managed by a division of North Pole Elves who do the feeding and the care, as well as making sure that they don't eat one another. During this giving season, we ask that you donate to this worthy refuge. Donations come at various levels, tailored to suit all incomes. From bowls of milk left outside for migrating pixies, to adopting patronage for a creature to cover medical bills or the building of species-appropriate housing, up to contributions to the fund invested in education for non-believers, just check out mythicalcreaturesrefuge.np to make your choice. And remember... Saying I believe is free, and every time you do that, a fairy gets back her wings. With every donation, you enter the annual raffle with exciting prices, up to and including a working holiday at the refuge, so you're signing yourself up for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure while also helping those in need. Wait no more and make your donation now. Mythical Creatures Refuge at the North Pole where mythical creatures still roam free. For this episode, we have not one, not two, but three wonderful new patrons. And like all supporters of the arts, they have a unique magical ability. Christine Homan can turn water into whichever festive beverage you desire. Spiced hot cider, gingerbread latte, eggnog or hot chocolate with whipped cream and cinnamon. Mo Reynolds has the magical ability to turn the howling of icy winter gales into beautiful music, so even if the surroundings are not festive at all, your mood certainly will be. Brady Esterbrooks has a magical tin with a never-ending supply of holiday cookies. From sparkling sugar cookies to joyful gingerbread men and yummy peppermint biscuits. Now imagine if we could get them all together in one cottage. What a magical holiday party we would have. A big, big thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. You are the glint of moonlight on snow on our dark winter nights. And now I have some really exciting news that I've been Boss thing to share with you. Lean closer. 
closer still. Now. Story Story Boutique, the online store for the podcast, is open and patrons get 10% through the rest of the year. Story Story Boutique is the place to find t-shirts for kids and adults, tote bags, magnets, magic cups that reveal the logo of the podcast when filled with warm water, and a lot more. The items that you can find in the boutique show both the classic show logo of the princess wearing headphones as well as the delightful fairy tale sponsor images. Take a look at storystoryboutique.com. I already have and my shopping cart is full to the brim with podcast goodies. We really hope that you'll enjoy this brand new way of connecting with the podcast and sharing its wonders with the world. You know, just a few months ago I met your friend, the Autumn Elf, I said to the Winter Elf as I crouched down in the snow. It was such a magical encounter and I was so hoping to meet more of you. Could you tell me what Winter Elves do? The Elf gave an almost proud, dignified nod. We do many things, it said. Some jobs are very hard, you know. But as children, most of us start out by minting snowflakes. There is so many needed each winter, and it's fun. Some of us stay on and become master snowflake makers. Those would be the ones that you're able to catch individually to admire their perfection. And that's a really hard job to do. Another hard job is painting ice flowers on windows. But I'm afraid this is a dying craft. Now, the windows are rarely cold enough for the flowers to actually stick. But there's so much other work to do. Excitedly, the elf went on to tell me about the icy powdered sugar that they dust on the trees and fields in early winter to get them used to the cold. About the elves who sprinkle sparkles on freshly fallen snow to give it that extra glint. He told me that the stronger elves have the task of freezing over waterfalls, rivers and lakes with their icy breath alone. Speaking of ice, I said, was it also thanks to you that I almost fell just before? I had meant it half as a joke, but the winter elf nodded solemnly and glanced at the bucket by its feet. It was filled with a light blue liquid and a broom-like contraption was sticking out of it. Yes, it said, you humans always rush through life and winter really is a time to slow down and look inward. Since you don't do it on your own, we want to help you with that. I didn't know what to say to that. The elves had a point. I will try to be more mindful this season, I said. Will you, in turn, promise me not to put ice on my doorstep again? The elf smiled and nodded, and we parted. I have slowed down my pace since the encounter, and as a practice of mindfulness, I have started to prepare a saucer with a thimble of milk and half a biscuit every night, putting it out beneath the bush by the side of the house, as a snack for whatever elf was on duty that night. And I'm already crossing my fingers that come springtime, I will meet another one. 
The second teller for this episode is Cooper Brown, a Colorado-based storyteller and performer. Cooper discovered his love for storytelling as a child growing up without a television and first started out as an actor before turning to storytelling. He was featured at the National Storytelling Festival on the Exchange Play stage and together with our Rachel Ann, he runs the popular storytelling show Stories with Spirits. In this episode, he shares the tale of The Solstice Badger, a story written and illustrated by Robin Fadden, available for purchase on Amazon. Once long ago, when the world was young, it was always summer. And the sun walked slowly each day across the sky and looked down at the first creatures as they lived their lives, as they loved and they laughed, and they hated, and they went about the business of life. But as the years passed, the creatures looked up and they saw that the sun's head hung low, that he walked slowly through the sky, and they began to whisper to one another, wondering what might be wrong. There was a day when the sun stepped over the western mountains that his sister the moon called to him across the sky, Brother, what ails you? And he looked up at her with tears of fire in his eyes, Sister, I am lonely. The creatures of the world have friends, they have enemies, they have families. I have you, but we speak so briefly. Across the reaches of the sky, you have the stars and the sea, and I have no one. And I am lonely. With that, he disappeared over the mountains, and that night, the moon spoke to the sea in the secret language that they share. And the sea, it spoke to the fishes. And the fishes to those beasts of the land that came to the water's edge, and the beasts of the land to the birds of the air. And by the time the sun stepped foot into the sky again, all the creatures of the world knew that the sun was lonely. And the eagle, the chief of the birds, she called her people together in a great circle, and they squawked, and they talked, and they twittered, and they chirped, and she held up her wing for silence. My friends, if any are to reach the sun, to be his friend, to bring him companionship, it would be one of us. Who will go? And the first raven, she stepped forward. Her wings were as white as clouds. I will go. And she beat her wings up and up and up and up she flew, and the sun, looking down, saw that speck of white growing bigger and bigger and bigger, and his heart gladdened. Someone was coming. As she drew close, he saw her wings beat laboriously, her breath pounding in her chest, and he held out her hand. She sat upon it, and he saw her wingtips begin to smolder, his heat overwhelming her. She bowed her head. I have come to you. And he smiled. He smiled down at her. Thank you, little sister. Thank you. But you cannot stay. My heat will burn you to ashes. Please, please go and save yourself with my thanks. He brushed her away. She fell away from his heat. And she looked down at her wings, black now. 
She circled down and brought the news, and in the days that followed, the osprey and the eagle, the wren and the swallow, each in turn tried. The little hummingbird beat his wings so hard, his red breast has been red ever since. But each in turn, those that could reach the sun, none could stand his heat. And his head bent low again. Now you might suspect, and it is true, that there is a river that runs west to east beneath the earth. And in that river, the sun and the moon, they sleep when they are not in the sky. And there came a day as he floated in that river, the sun looked up, the caverns above him the earth around him, and he stepped from the water and sat there on a ledge, and his tears burned as they struck the ground. And then he heard a voice, a little voice from beside him. What? What is wrong? And he looked down. There was a creature he had never seen before. It was small and gray, a black face with a white stripe. Little one, little one, be away with you. My heat will destroy you. None can be near me. No. (laughs) I have plucked jewels from the heart of our mother, and your heat is warm and kind, and it will not harm me. I think you must be the sun. I hear when I listen the upper world the creatures speak of you. I am called Badger. Would you like tea? (laughs) And the son did not know what to say, so Badger took him by the hand and began to lead him into the earth through a cavern across a chasm and to the left until they came to the door of Badger's house. He pushed open the door. The son stepped inside. He realized they were inside an immense geode. It was hung with gems, beautiful things that when his light caught them, the crystal and the facets sent rainbows around the room. Badger seated the sun at his table. He brewed him a tea of mushrooms and roots. Tell me what is wrong. And the story came out of his loneliness, of watching the creatures of the world at their doings. And they spoke long into the night, until at last Badger realized the time they will miss you in the sky. And the sun fairly raced down the river up into the sky, And if he was a little late, the animals did not notice, for his head was high and he shone brightly, and they were certain that he had found a friend. That day he walked quickly across the sky, thinking on his new friend what stories he might tell him. And when he came to Badger's door that night, he told him of the upper world of those creatures that Badger had only ever heard through the earth, the otter and the adder. The vines and the trees, the wasps and the beetles of their doings and their living. And again, Badger had to remind the sun, and again he rushed into the sky, and this came and went. Late nights they sat. Badger told the sun of his delvings deep into the earth, of the gems he found there, of the fire spirits that danced on the blood of the mother. And each day the sun rose later. He walked quicker across the sky, and he did not notice that the world below was changing. (coughs) The leaves, they grew brown, and they fell away. And the trees stood bare, and they bore it patiently, as trees always do. But the little creatures that lived within them began to shiver as the winds grew cold. 
frost formed in the air and fell as snow for the first time. And there came a day when the sun came to Badger's door and Badger stopped him. Something is wrong. He took the sun by the hand. He led him up and up and up until they came to a shallow tunnel. Put your ear to the roof. The sun placed his ear there and he heard. They were close to the surface. He heard the sound of wind through empty branches of chattering teeth and shivering. And he felt his heart fall. What have I done? I must go now. I must bring them my warmth. I must fix what I have done. But Badger caught him by the hand. No, my friend, no. Hasty work makes bad burrows. We, we don't know what would happen if you were to return now. We don't seem to have any wisdom between us. <laughs> but someone should know. And the son, he thought, the trees... The trees are the oldest of the peoples, and the pine is the eldest of the tree. I would ask Grandmother Pine, but I do not know if I could face her. I will go. I will go. I will bring gifts, perhaps, to assuage what anger she might have. They returned to Badger's home. He took a thick sack. He filled it with the finest jewels he had, and then with food, a feast, enough for all. This he hefted on his back, he took up his lantern, and he climbed those many passageways up and up and up until he came. And he began to dig through the earth, that frozen earth, that last little crust before the upper world, and he emerged in a glade. The snow was heavy, the moon shone down, and there she was, Grandmother Pine. Little creature that befriends the sun, you come to me now. I have not seen you before, but I have felt you tunnel about my roots. Please, please, we, we did not know that our friendship would bring this. My friend is sorry. If he returns now, we'll all be made well. If the sun were to return to his former ways, all would be washed away in flood and chaos. Please, tell me what we must do. I, ha I have brought you gifts. He opened the bag and the light of the moon and his lantern caught the facets of those gems, sending them across the snow. Gifts for which I have no use. What must be done is this. The sun must return as he left, little by little, until the days are long once more. Thank you. Thank you. I will tell him, though I will miss him. And Badger turned to go, but as he did, he felt... The pine shrunk. The snow fell from her branches. The snowflakes paused and ceased to fall in the air. It was as if the world itself held a breath. My roots are on the pulse of our mother, and I speak with her voice now. The sun must have a friend. 
and you, little one, must be rewarded for your kindness. The mother welcomes in these dark times, and will call them winter, and it shall be thus. For seven passages of the moon, the sun will spend less time with you each night, walk slowly across the sky and the sun, and the warmth will return. But then, then for seven passages, he will return to spend his nights with you until we reach this darkest, longest night of the year. Thank you. Thank her, thank you. And I swear to you that I will return on this night every year with gifts for all the little creatures that bear patiently the dark and the cold, that there is joy and warmth even in winter. Will you tell them? She bent her great head and he placed his lantern there in her most utmost bows. When she stood, a new star seemed to burn on the horizon. The creatures saw it and began to move towards that glade, and when they arrived, they saw that Badger had been hard at work. In the boughs of the pine, he had placed all the jewels he had brought, and the light of his lantern and the moon, they caught those and sent rainbows dancing around the glade. He had laid out the food beneath her, a feast enough for all. He waved his goodbye and disappeared beneath the earth. And so it has been from the old days till now, that the seasons turn on the wheel of friendship. And there are those days when the sun spends long days in the sky and he waves to Badger as he floats beside him in the river beneath the world. But then he returns, and the two drink tea late into the morning, and the sun fairly sprints across the sky. And on the longest night, this Saturday, two nights from now, the badger returns, and we hang jewels and lights in the boughs of the pine And thanks to her. And he brings those presents to all the creatures that bear the cold and the darkness, that there is warmth and laughter even in winter, as long as the solstice badger keeps his promise. And he always will. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Didi Storyteller at didistoryteller.co.uk and Cooper Brown at storycrossroads.org. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. We are still in strange times for performing artists and art is still needed more than ever. So many storytellers are doing online events, so you, yes, you, can see and hear some of your favorite storytellers of the podcast tell stories from the comfort of your home. These may be different times, but the opportunities to connect with the magic of live storytelling are abundant. Go find your favorite tellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. You can connect with the podcast and Rachel Ann on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. And you can find me at isabelhauser.com. You can see the delightful fairy tale sponsor ads on the Story Story Podcast Instagram and Facebook page. While you are there, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was Rachel Ann. 
The inspiration for the true fairy tale was a story I wrote for a previous episode. The music is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcast. This helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music.